It's not about you learning the art of loving others. And we're talking about self-centeredness. We're talking about learning to be unselfish. And it's so important. That's why I'm talking about it tonight. I call it a life record. I call it a church record. It's basically, it's self-centeredness. A record is simply a person who wrecks anything. It brings uh, destruction of any kind to any structure. Re- reduces something to a state of ruin. And if there's something that can reduce things really quick, that can hurt a church or hurt a life or hurt a marriage, hurt you, period, it's just self-centeredness. In relationships, there's a, there's a big breakdown. Things happen that don't always have to happen, but they do because of self-centeredness. It ruins, it's, it's, it just ruins, it destroys. It, one, one book I had <clears throat> was on relationships. It said the number one problem in all relationships is because self-centeredness. They trace all the problems of any marriage back to self-centeredness, and it goes on and on and on. But you think about it, it makes sense that people would naturally be self-centered because I thought about this. Because you have to naturally, without Christ, you have to think of a way to take care of yourself. So a self-centered person would simply say, you know what, if I don't take care of me, no one will. A Christian, their perspective is, I don't need to take care of me, God's taking care of me. So it makes sense for someone unsaved to position themselves, being someone fully self-centered, it's all about them. I can get that, but what I don't always understand is how much self-centeredness is coming to the church, the families of God, the people of God. It's natural to be self-centered. One man said it comes as natural as breathing. And all of us are just self-centered. We all can agree on that, okay? I'm not going to ask for hands because we all are self-centered, right? If you took a photo, let's say a family photo, you took, take the photo and you look at the photo. <clears throat> How many of you ever taken a photo and looked at a photo someone took? Okay, we, we've all done it. You look at the photo and the first thing you look for is you. Right? And what happens? If you look good in that photo, it's a great photo. But if you, if you look bad, you say, no, take it over, take it over. Why? Because you, you not, what about everybody, the 12 other people in the photo? No, 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 I don't care. I don't look good in this picture. Redo it. Naturally self-centered. It's, it's, it's in us. And so let's talk about this. <clears throat> Jesus, I mentioned last week, talked about he said the rulers of this world, they, they, have, they rule people with absolute power and authority. He said, but it's not going to be that way among you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be a servant. And everything Jesus talks about, it's like the opposite of how the world thinks. We call this counterculture. The Christians, we live in a city within a city, but our life, we're totally different than how the world operates. Where we don't op- we're not supposed to operate that way at all. And Jesus talks about this over and over. Galatians, I read about Paul Wright, for me to live, Christ lives. Bible talks about you lose your life, you're going to find your life. That makes no sense to someone that don't know the Lord. It's like the opposite, everything we hold on to. The world says one thing, God says something totally different. But you think about self-centeredness, though. It's easy to see it, and I know this. I know this because it's true. It's easy to see someone that's fully, really self-centered. It's easy to see it in others, but it's really hard to see it in ourselves. It really is. It's, it's, not so, it's not obvious at all. And yet we can be someone that's really self-centered, have no idea that, you know, you are wrapped up with yourself and not realize it. It almost blinds you if you're not careful. Now, here's our main verse. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. 
I think it's a new, good news version. It says, that's not what you've learned about Christ. You certainly heard about him and his followers were taught the truth that in Jesus. So get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new. You must put on the new self, which is created in the likeness of God. And reveal itself in its true life that is upright and holy. Verse 25, no more lying. Then each one must tell the truth to other believers. Because we're all members that to, uh, together in the body of Christ. If you're angry, do not let your anger uh, lead you to, into sin. Do not stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. If he used to rob, stop robbing. Start working in order to earn an honest living for yourself and be able to help the poor. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that would build up and provide what is needed. See that you would, you would do good to those who hear you. And do not make the Holy Spirit sad. This is, like I said, I think the good news version. Do not make the Holy Spirit sad, for the Spirit of God marks ownership on you. I guarantee that the day will come when God will set you free. Get rid of all bitterness, passion, anger, no more shouting or insults, no more hateful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tenderhearted to one another. Forgive one another as God has forgiven you. Paul writes to the Philippians, he's writing to a church of Christians. It sounds like he's writing to people that never met God, right? No more lying, no more cheating, no more abusive, no more yelling, no more insults. But what's going on there? Well, uh, Christians are people too. But he lays it out, but he brings up how the Christians are supposed to be operating in their life. This is how you used to be, but this is how you're supposed to be now. And he, he keeps doing that back and forth, laying it out, lays it out, lays it out. And I said, as Christians, you and I have the opportunity to, to form a community that the world was nothing about. Everything changes because, we, because you and I meet God. Everything should change relationally. How we relate to people. Are the Christians now, you and I have a chance to be the, the scripture I just read, we have a chance to be that kind of a person in Christ. We can be the person that doesn't do all the things he said, don't do, don't do. Because only in Christianity do we have the ability to build a community like that because of the love of God in our hearts now. Romans says it like this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know, that, uh, we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given to the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Because God fills our hearts with love, it changes everything. It changes, there are, in fact, when you get saved, there are no more barriers. I don't know, the national barriers, cultural barriers, class barriers, color barriers. It's like everything changes, and all of a sudden you love because God loves you, and God's love is in your heart now. Right? Everything, everything should change, I should say. So he keeps talking about this. And we talked about through these classes, it's like number 12, uh, we're a community that God brings together, transforms our life, brings us together. It's a community, a group of people that are together, called out by God, set apart for God. And there's nothing like it on the planet Earth, God's community, where God dwells in our hearts and our lives. And that community is nothing like the world's community. Or put it this way, it's not, it's, it's not supposed to be anything like the world's community at all. Quite different. I said, <clears throat> it's not only... <clears throat> I said, I mean, I'll read the quote to you again. The transforming grace of God has gone into your heart and has actually given a death blow to me first. That not only makes you ashamed of being self-centered, but now it makes it unnecessary. Why? Because now you're loved. You don't, you don't, things you long for, you've been filled with Christ. 
And everything about how you used to be, God says it's a total different world now. And I talked about the counterculture. The world says grab money. In the kingdom of God, God says give money away. It's not, for, it's not self-centered. No, it's, it's giving. It's the, it's the opposite. It's totally opposite. It tells the rich man, hey, give it all away. Come and follow me. Everything about it is quite different than our culture. And we have to guard ourselves that you and I just don't begin to adopt or begin to live like the culture you're in. Are you with me? I know it's different. It's radically different than the world. You tell someone who's unsaved that you tie, they say, you're crazy. That's a good indication you're a real Christian. You do this. Why in the world? That's not how it's supposed to be done. Well, according to you, it's not how that's supposed to be done, but that's how it's done with the kingdom of God. Uh, I, things I used to long for, I don't need anymore. I have Christ. I don't have to be rich. I have him. I don't have to own everything. I have him. Uh, I cannot have much money like I, like I always thought I wanted to have because I have him. I'm content in him. Everything changes in us, in our hearts, our hearts desire, everything. So let's talk about this for a moment. I didn't want to do this, and I didn't. I was going to ask my wife to write down some ways I've been, I'm selfish. But I thought we might here be a long time. <laughs> so I, I said, I'm not going to do that. So I get too much pride. Because <laughs> I was ready to start. Okay, that's enough off the list. <laughs> And that list got lost, and the devil took it. But every one of us have to look. We, if we're honest about ourselves, we learn as time goes on, there's things we do that are selfish, and we learn there's things we shouldn't do. Especially if you're married, you learn. You learn certain things you learn after being married for a little bit, you shouldn't do. Your wife sleeps late at night, you don't walk in and turn the light on. Some of you go, that's what I do. That's why she's mad. <laughs> okay, you don't do that. There's things I would do, you know, and you don't know when you first get married because you don't know. You've never been married before. And you do all these things, but if you really think about it, it's pretty self-centered. You know, a guy, a guy gets married, and he thinks, you know, before there's only one person that thought about me. In his mind, now i got two people thinking about me. <laughs> that's how a guy views marriage. That's the problem. <laughs> That's how I thought. I got married. I was 19, I think, or 20. Man, I was terrible. I was terrible, man. You talk about selfish. I think about how I acted and how I thought sometimes. It's embarrassing. No, I'm not going to bring them up. Let me tell you what they are. And we need to talk about it because it's something real. And I would say there's people in your row to your left and to your right are probably some, some people around you might be selfish. Turn to your neighbor, left or right, and say, you're one. <laughs> don't act so holy. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know who could he possibly be talking about. <laughs> yeah, right in our rows, right here in this church, there's people that are really selfish, some more than others. But it's in our culture. It's all around us. It's this world, it's all this world now, it's all about what makes me happy, what's going to bring. Now, there's nothing wrong with you being happy, there's nothing wrong with you having some joy, but we, I think you understand what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's the gospel of this world is it's all about me, what makes me happy. It has basically no concern for other people other than themselves, to the detriment of the whole. In other words, the person who's self-centered, all they care about is themselves. They don't care about how it's going to affect anyone else but themselves. That's deadly. Self-centeredness, it, it, it's, it really is bad, bad, bad. It's in schools or homes, you name it. It's in churches. But let me ask you this. You know, how can, 
we can understand how, why it's in the world. We can understand that. We can say, okay, the world, that's how they operate. That's how they think. How can self-centeredness find its way into our, your own life and into to a church like this? Well, let me go back. Do you think there's any self-centeredness in, in the church at all? I'm not going to point you out. Relax. Of course there is. Sometimes you see it when people, well, you know, like I said before, ask people to move their seat. That love just comes out of them. But. They almost want to fight Ricky. You down? Are you down? Are we down right now, Ricky? I just asked you to move over one seat. And you can see it. You know, and so there's things that happen, and you can see it, man. People, sometimes people get mad, angry real quick. You see it in the church, people get angry, you say one thing, and they actually you know someone's really mad, and, 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 they, and they think no one can tell they're mad. They're, hey, bro, you're, you're mad. No, I'm not mad! No, you, 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 settle down, okay? You're about ready to blow here. You can blow a gasket and call, call, call the ambulance for you. But, okay, how, how is it so? How does that happen? Because it happens. And why does it happen? Anyone, just quickly, just, just let me give you an answer real quick. It's, it's being filmed for later on anyway. It's not being... Quick, Will. Okay. Uh, thinking everything reflects on you, like last time we were putting all the chairs back and guys were about to get in fights over the, the chairs and the measurements and stuff. And so it was multiple guys, you know, it's all of us coming together to put the chairs back. It's not just one person, you know, so. And it's amazing how fast it can, it, it can happen. You know, and we know as a Christian, we're supposed to adapt the attitude of, I'm, gonna, I'm here to serve you. You first, bro, not me. You first, bro. How can I sacrifice? How can I help you? What do you need? It's not about, that's how it's supposed to be. But lots of times, it's not, it's not necessarily how it's lived out. You think about things people may do that's it's selfish. I think it's selfish that someone would come to a church for years and never offer to help the church in any kind of ministry. That's selfish. If someone comes to church for years and not even support the church, I would say that's, that's selfish. No one's going to shout me down on this, but he said, come on, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I think it's selfish when the altar call is given, and I understand if you have to use the rest of it, that's one thing. But I think it's selfish when the altar call, the most sacred moment of the time of the service, someone's at the altar praying, someone gets up and just takes off and leaves early for church, leaves home early. No, no other reason other than they got things to do, they leave. I think that's selfish. It's a sacred moment, but not to you. The selfishness. Oh, how come we don't have this for the kids and the kids? I, I was, I, I would, you, know, you need to have this in the church for the kids and this. That's selfish. You want that, but you won't offer to do it. I might just stay. I might just. I might just. I might. I might, I might just stay on this mountain right now and go forever. Go. Go thirty more minutes on this thing. Selfish. What you demand from others, you won't, you won't do yourself. I wish we, you know, so I, don't know what, I don't know what it is for you. There might be something you'd like to see the church do. Well, why don't you offer yourself to do it? Well, I'm not that committed. I just want to come and take. That's selfishness. Some people come to church and all they do is take for years. I mean, years. Sharon and the other sisters and some family members are doing these food fellowships. You know, thank God for that, but we need more people involved in that. Not eating part, involved in it. <laughs> right? 
she can't do it all the time. There comes a point you see, I'm, t- I'm tired, I can't do this by myself. But selfish people, they don't care. They say, you know, no, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take. I'm not going to give them nothing back. So you, you didn't know none of the things I just said until I said it. But I didn't tell you I was going to say it until you got here. And I said, okay. The gospel comes to us, and it's supposed to be about service. It's supposed to be you and I moved by God to serve others and put other people first. It's not about elevating ourselves, our position, our place, our pride. It's not, it's, it's not about us. It's like, that's why the title is called It's Not About You or Not About Me. It's about Him. And I thought, <clears throat> it is very dangerous. You read about it in 2 Timothy talks about the last days. Men will be lovers of self. We see it all around. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then I thought about there's a story, and I'll explain it right now. There's a story in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 6 and 7. I think 6, his name is Achan. They get ready to take the promised land. They're going to the, they're going to the enemy's land, and God tells them ahead of time, says, Joshua, when you guys go in, you have gold, you have all kinds of stuff there. Don't, don't take none of it. That's all going to be... Uh, destroyed, that's, that belongs to God. You don't touch none of it. We destroy it all or something like that. And so the Bible says they go in, and a guy named Achan sees the good stuff. And he takes what he should not have taken. The Bible says he takes it, and he goes home and puts it in his house. Next battle they go to, the 36 men die. What you do affects all of us. 36 men die, and they go, well, wait, hold, what's going on? How can we win this next battle? We it's like a bunch of us, a few of them, they, they killed 36 men. And then they start praying, and God comes along and says, what are, you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you laying on your face for, crying out to God for? It's wrong. There's a guy in your camp who did something I told you not to do. Go find out who it is, Joshua. So Joshua says, okay, get everybody together. He gets everyone together in church. Says, hey, was it you? No, that would have been quite a church service, right? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> and that's what he does, right down the line. Everybody's just waiting. And then Achan goes, he'd be Achan. <laughs> Achan goes, uh, excuse me, Joshua, it's me. So you took your cursed thing? So what happened? Well, I saw the gold and I saw the, I saw the uh, Gucci suit. <laughs> I saw those nice shoes. I saw that Gucci suit. That uh, What's that purses, those nice purses that women have? Uh, the D&K? Yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about. He, I saw some of those, picked some of those up for my wife. You know, I grabbed it all, took it back home, and I hid it. And, God, and Joshua says, well, you've cursed us. Now you're cursed. And they killed him. But here's my point. I said, well, Pastor, that's heavy. Well, yeah, I was heavy. But here's my point was one act of selfishness can ruin a family, can ruin kids. A husband or a wife or a young man in a family that just full of selfishness. He could ruin a family. He could hurt a family deeply. One person in a family. The prodigal son, when he left, he hurt the father's heart. He hurt all, he, everyone involved. Everyone was touched by him leaving, doing what he did. And that selfishness, it, 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 it's dangerous because it's deadly. 
You think about it, this cost 36 men's lives. I don't understand it all fully, but all I know is God said, don't do it. He did it. He paid the price for it. But not only did he pay the price for it, 36 men died also. How is it that one person is totally selfish? Everyone has to pay the price. Well, we're all kind of linked together. It doesn't matter what we do or don't do. But also, as a parent, listen, if you live a self-centered life, guess what? Your kids will probably grow up living a self-centered life. Preacher, pastor. I'm glad you said it. Okay, I'm going to preach it again. You live a self-centered life, and, and your kids are watching you, and your kids are watching you, by the way. They may not say, Mom, Dad, I am watching you right now. No, they, but they watch you every single day, and they see how you live. They see what you do with your time. They see how you act. They see. They hear the words you speak. They watch it all. And if they watch you, and your life is generally only about yourself, it's not surprising me when your kids grow up. Their lives can be all about themselves and kind of push God right out the picture. And some parents say, well, why do my kids act like that? They're acting just like you, boy. They've just grown up. They're acting like you. You modeled it. Some of you are saying, man, I wish he wasn't back. <laughs> Shoot, he's back. He's back preaching. Okay. Well, there's a couple things quickly before I close that God, that God brings into our life that helps us break us of our selfishness. There are a lot of things. But I just I put down three. I'm going to cover two real quick. One is... <clears throat> Kids, marriage, and other people. You, get, you have a child. You, you, some of you are young you don't have kids yet, obviously. You can get married, you have kids one day. But I'm telling you, the, the reality is this. Kids will break your, help break the streak of self-centeredness in your life. Period. And, and they won't ask about it. They will just do it. The, uh, having a child will force you to think about someone else besides yourself. In the same way with marriage. Kids come into the world, what happens? They come into the world screaming about their needs. They don't come out of the room crying and asking about your needs. You go see a kid at 2 o'clock in the morning, he's crying, you run in there. It'd be nice to go in there and say, what's wrong, baby? And the baby goes, Mom, you're so stressed out, I just wonder what I could do for you. I want to pray for you, Mom. Can I pray for you, Mom? I know you and Dad are really fighting over there. You're stressed out because the finances. I get that, Mom. Let me pray for you. No kid does that. You go see a kid at 2 o'clock in the morning, what are they doing? They're crying. It's all about them. Kids, and, and, and you know what, and, you, and you, can, you can ignore it. But no, you can't really ignore it, but it forces you to, to get your mind off, off yourself. You see, you know what, I, I said, and every parent would go, what did I do? <laughs> well, it's your kids. You got three of them. <laughs> They're going to be growing up pretty soon, just 20 more years. But man, it changes your life, Right? And every parent knows what I'm talking about. You go on a vacation? Yeah, I just throw this out for free. You know, you go on vacation when you're first, you don't know any better. But after you get married and you have a couple kids, it's going to dawn on you that vacation is not a vacation. <laughs> and the sooner it dawns on you, the better off you'll be because you'll find out the vacation is not about you, it's about them. You'll go to a vacation with your kids, and you'll come back more tired than you left. That's what happens when you have kids. It's all about them. It's not easy. It's in, you know, by no means at all. It's, it's, it's very difficult, but it breaks, helps break our selfishness. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the truth is you find great joy 
and serving and helping other people or doing something that's something larger than ourselves or giving ourselves to people that need us. If you do something outside of ourselves, you find the most joy in your life. That's a fact. You see someone, I'm not saying all we see, I've seen, you've seen people that they don't adopt a child or they don't have a child or they can't have a child. That's one thing. But sometimes people, parents choose not to have any children. And as time goes old, you know, some people, I've seen people get older and have no children at all. But man, they, because they never had a child, they're selfish. They don't understand what it's having, you know, like having a child. They don't, they don't get it all. I know, I, know, I know some couples that say, I don't have a child, but I have a dog. A dog's not a child. I got pastor friends of mine say, well, I know, I know, I know. She had kids. I know you say it'd be good for us. It should have been good for us. We probably should have had them, but we don't have kids, but we got closest thing. We got dog. <laughs> what should we nature channels, man? A dog's not a child. That's not a cat. It's not your, it's not your daughter. She look at her. Meow. Oh, you know what she said? Yeah, she said, meow. That's what she said. Will you read into it? We got doctors that tell you what the cats will say, meow. What the cat is really expressing is a deep desire to be with you in your bedroom. People pay to go see a doctor who tell them that. You think I'm crazy? You can go find someone that will tell you that. Don't pay no big, some guy $300 to tell you what the, I'll tell you what the dog, I'll tell you what your cat's saying. Bring it to me. You guys got me going here. I don't want to go off the track here. <laughs> I was going to call this, it's all about you. It's always about you learning to love yourself more than ever. <laughs> I was going to put it up there. I was going to put it up there and film it. People go, oh, I'm going to go to that one. And then when they get here, I'll give them this one. <laughs> Oh, it's all about me, honey. Let's go. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Let's, get, let's end this thing here. Philippians chapter 2. Here's the main verse quickly. It's a couple of thoughts here. I'm going to end. This is so important. I'll read a couple of different versions of it. Philippians 2, verse 1 through, this is 1 through 5. Your life in Christ makes you strong. His love comforts you. You have fellowship with the Spirit, and you have kindness and compassion for one another. Urge you then to make... Be completely happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love, and being one in one soul and mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or cheap desire to boast, but be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourself, and look out for another's interests, not just your own. This attitude you should have should have the same one that Jesus Christ had. Another version says it like this. Do you have any comfort from love? Do you have any spiritual relationship with God? And the point he's making is because you have a spiritual relationship with God and because God's love is in you, therefore, this this is how you should order your life. That's what he's saying. Do you have any comfort from love? Do you have a spiritual relationship? Do you have any sympathy or compassion? Of course you do. You're in Christ. Then fill me with joy having the same attitude and the same love and live in harmony. Don't act out of selfish ambition or conceit. And say, there it is. <clears throat> you say, well, what, what's the problem here? Right, here? Here's the problem. And you need, if you have your Bible, you can circle. Look at verse 1. It says, if there is any encouragement in Christ. Because that's where it all starts. 
If you're not in Christ, you won't have the power to be what you're supposed to be. He starts off with, if you have a relationship in Christ, then his love's going to be in your life, and you can have the ability to get along with other people. But if you take out that one phrase, in Christ, and so you're not in Christ much, you don't read your Bible much, you don't talk too much, you don't pray in church very often, you're not a whole lot of Christ in you yet, then that probably explains why you act the way you act. Are you with me? Oh, yeah, I, 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 I know why you act the way you act. You're carnal. You're acting just like someone who don't know the Lord, as Paul writes in Corinthians. You're acting like people that don't know God. Yeah, I know why you act like that. You're carnal. Why? Because your relationship with Christ, in Christ, yes, you're saved, but it's not much there going on there because when you're in Christ and his love is in your life, it is obvious. You can't tell me I'm full of love and fight with everyone you see. Something's wrong with that picture. You can't say, I love God with all my heart and refuse to sacrifice for anyone else but yourself. He starts off, that phrase starts off with, in Christ, therefore. So if you and I would contend for our life in God, in Christ, you and I contend, reading our Bible, we pray, we talk to God, let God fill you. That changes everything. When God fills you, everything in your life changes. You You don't have to be what the world says you should be. You have Christ, you're fine. Rule says you need to have a new house, a new home, a new this. And this. You say, oh, I'm content. I got Christ. I'm happy. I'm good. Everything changes when you're in Christ. So the question, obviously, is then why aren't, or well, I guess the question is simply, what do we need to do to be in Christ? To give your life to him. Because when you realize what Christ did for you, you do something for others. Because you realize how much God has forgiven you and loved you. You see, he did this for me. I don't deserve this. Sometimes people say, well, I don't, you know, give me what I deserve. That's called hell. Let's be honest. Give you what you deserve? Are you for real? Hell, that's what you deserve. But Christ died for you, so you don't have to go there. And he, he died and shed his blood just for you to fill you with love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And when you under, really understand what he did for you, it puts you in a state of awe, and you run across human beings or just normal people. It's, you know what? I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to give them what they deserve. Yeah, you know what? God didn't give you what you deserved either. And you give them mercy, and you give them grace, and you're kind to them. Why? Because that's what God did for you, and you know that. So you live as a Christian. Let's, bow my, let's just bow our heads right here.